0: And welcome to episode 172. We're officially into lockout season for Major League Baseball. I'm Mark Colley, as always, joined by Bryson and Jacob. Last few days, last few hours, not fun, but we're getting through it. How are you guys?
1: I can tell by the tone of your voice of how just disappointed you are, and I think that goes for every single baseball fan after the lockout has officially been underway. So it went from pretty much one of the craziest off-seasons, In recent memory, like in terms of the month of November to now probably the quietest we're going to get for quite some time. But on the other hand, we do have a lot to talk about that went down this week because, like I said, everything pretty much happened and there's still lots that's going to happen afterward. But we have lots to talk about and hopefully this lockout doesn't last as long as people are saying it will. Jacob, how are you?
2: Well, you know what? I've since the lockout has begun, I as well as John Rossi have taken up a, an interest in bowling and you know, I think it just shows how quiet baseball is not kidding. I don't I don't care for bowling, but uh it's been quiet and especially considering how opposite it was or how crazy it was the the days leading up to it, it's definitely been quite boring, but uh the off-season part 2 technically is set to start eventually. I mean, well, we we at least hope, but uh, still a, a lot to talk about. And you know, the Blue Jays are not done. I think that's the important thing: is they still have some moves that they need to make.
0: That was John Heyman, by the way, who's tweeting about the the bowler, not John Morosi, unfortunately. But John Morosi has taken up a liking for hockey, so maybe <laughs> that's a more appropriate comparison. But yeah, we're not happy that it's locked out, but we're gonna avoid as much lockout talk as we can today because, as Bryson mentioned, we still have content. From the couple days leading into the lockout that involves the Blue Jays that we want to get out of the way before we spend two, three months talking about labor and negotiations and a lockout and the CBA and expanded playoffs and all that good fun. So we're going to avoid that for as long as possible and we're going to talk about what happened this past week. Um, Since we last recorded with our emergency episode when the Blue Jays signed Kevin Gosman, the Blue Jays have officially missed out. On Robbie Ray, he signs a five-year, $115 million deal with the Seattle Mariners. This came as a surprise to a lot of people, I think, because once we saw Kevin Gosman got 5 one, ten with the Blue Jays, you assumed Robbie Ray was going to get more than that. Otherwise, why would the Blue Jays go with Kevin Gosman over Robbie Ray if they get pretty much essentially the exact same deal? There's been some speculation since then about why the Blue Jays went with Kevin Gosman instead of Robbie Ray, but obviously, regardless, it's disappointing to miss out on someone who was so important to the franchise over the last year. So, sucks to miss out on him. It's curious why the Blue Jays didn't sign him, and I'm curious what you guys think. We've had discussions in our text channels about it, but what are your guys' thoughts on why the Blue Jays signed Kevin Gosman instead of Robbie Ray?
2: Well, there's a few things you got to look at, and... I so before we knew the reasons or before we heard anything from any official sources, I kind of had the idea that the Blue Jays went into this season prioritizing Kevin Gosman or thinking, okay, we're going to look at him in the off season. but after Robbie Ray had the season he did that you obviously you have to look at him, and he was kind of the one a option, and then Kevin Gosman was the one b option. And in those discussions, we did eventually hear that. Things weren't going the way the Blue Jays had hoped that with Robbie Ray's camp kind of saying this uh, this other team has given us a better offer than what you're giving, which was not true. This was done to then raise the Blue Jays offer, which who knows what the, the Robbie Ray's camp easily could have then gone to the Mariners and said the Blue Jays have given us this contract. Can you give us this? And they were just trying to give them the the best contract for their client, which obviously makes sense. But if you're the Blue Jays, you're looking to actually sign a deal. It wasn't really going the way it looked like it was going to. So they said, okay, we're done with this. We're looking at Kevin Gosman. And as we discussed in the, the last episode, they're pretty much the same pitcher. One just throws from the, the other hand. And, you know, they've had somewhat good track records throughout their career. A little, uh, little bumpy. But last season, they were both fantastic. And honestly, I it is what it is. Like You, you want Robbie Ray to stay here, but... If you're if you're able to get Kevin Gosman, who's pretty similar in terms of pitch style and and pitch uh, repertoire and and track record, all that type of stuff, it's fine, honestly. And I just wanted one guy to to stay with the Blue Jays and or or at least to come to the Blue Jays. And if you don't have Robbie Ray, at least you have Kevin Gosman. And this rotation, at least for next season, and then has or at least for the next two seasons, has five guys essentially locked in it and for the next four or five seasons has four guys locked in it so I'm honestly I'm not worried or I'm not I'm not as upset as I as I would have obviously it 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 did feel a little bit upsetting to see the news be official that Robbie Ray went to the Mariners but whatever honestly the, the team they got an equivalent pitcher and at that point I think you have to be happy with it
1: yeah I look at it from a lot of things. And initially, when you thought of it, too, um, we had the expectation that Robbie Ray was going to be signing after whenever the, the new CBA was going to be done. But something changed in those maybe few days. Who knows how quickly it was. I assume the Kevin Gosman signing was the one that got him to, I guess, rethink things and maybe ultimately decide to sign before the CBA um, expired. But really, when I look at it like this... And as the details come out, because there's a lot of details here of the Jays' involvement and pretty much what happened. Because when you saw the number, like we were mentioning, Mark, of how much he, he's getting, you wonder, you scratch your head a little bit. And you the first thing you think of is, this is pretty much identical to what Kevin Gosman just got from the Blue Jays. And if that's the case, why did the money go to Kevin Gosman, and why didn't it go to Robbie Ray? And that's pretty much, I think, what every fan was thinking right away. I personally thought he was getting more as well um, than twenty three a $23, uh, 23 million a season. I thought he was going to get a little bit more than that. But uh, it turns out he got pretty much ad- identical to what Kevin Gosman got, just a little bit more, though, uh, from in total. And for me, after kind of reading all of the details and what happened, it seems to me that the only reason why Robbie Ray isn't a Blue Jay anymore is because of Robbie Ray. Um, and I'm just going to explain that because, first of all, I give full credit to how this was handled by Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins. This team is done being a punching bag for leverage, and we've seen it time and time again. And after hearing the details, what I'm a little bit disappointed is, that even though it's fair game and that's pretty much how negotiations work, it seems like Robbie Ray and his agent were using the Blue Jays for leverage. And I I just, I don't like that at all. Even though, again, it's normal. It's part of the game. And who knows? Cry about it, right? Whatever you want to say. But I just, I, I love how the Jays decided to move on quickly from him and said, okay, you're not going to take the money or, you know, maybe they knew right away. Or there's also a chance too. I guess I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that they maybe just completely misread the market. There's a, definitely a chance that happened. And, um, we don't know for sure. We, all we know is Steve Phillips came out, um, the next day from an analyst from TSN and said that he had a, or he reported that the Jays did give him an offer, Robbie Ray. It was a five-year deal around pretty much what he got from the Mariners. Everything seemed to be similar. And he claimed that there was a mystery team and a lot of people were reporting it was the Angels that wanted to wait and uh, meet meet with him, and that's why Robbie Ray's can't believe that he had more money on the table, and the initial plan for him was to sign after the CBA was agreed to. Obviously, that quickly changed after what happened uh, with Kevin Gosman, and I'm pretty sure that maybe was the sign or the signal for him to reassess things, and um, I guess something with the Mariners came out very quick in terms of the negotiation and all that. So. I don't know what happened, if he really misread the market or he was trying to use the Jays' leverage, but when you think of it like this, for if you're going to, let's just say you're going to wait until after the CBA expires, there is a very good chance that you lose out on Robbie Ray and Kevin Gosman at the time, because the one thing we knew about Gosman, and this is what made it very tricky, obviously the CBA is pretty much one of the main reasons for this, but Gosman was ready to sign before the CBA expired, so If you're going to go into the lockout, and let's just say Kevin Gosman doesn't sign, and then you're going to come out of the lockout and you're going to take the risk of losing both, we're sitting here in a couple of months' time when spring training starts, and we're having a much different conversation of how the Jays lose out on Robbie Ray and Kevin Gosman. This was a 1A, 1B kind of decision. I think Jacob nailed it head-on with that. I think after Robbie Ray decided to, whatever the heck, the tactics they were using, I think the Jays said, okay... We're not, you know, it's fine. We're going to go on. We're going to move on to Kevin Gosman. And then the deal with Kevin Gosman got done. I have nothing wrong with how the Jays handled this. There's a lot of people wondering why the Jays didn't do this and why he's not back. There's your answer, is that the the Jays didn't want to lose out on somebody like Kevin Gosman, who was a quick pivot. It wasn't even a plan A plan, or it was a plan A, plan B, but it was a very close one to two. And at the end of the day... I think the Jays also feel a little bit more comfortable giving Kevin Gosman a long-term offer, taking a bigger bet on him long-term. And uh, when you look at it, though, you're going to miss Robbie Ray, everything he did in his um, his year and a bit with the team. We all know he was a Cy Young Award winner last year with the team. And um, it just it's going to be a big loss. But however, you're replacing him with somebody who's just as good, if not better, and a lot of people are saying that long-term, you can make that argument that Kevin Gosman is just as good as Robbie Ray. There's a pretty good replacement there. So that's why... At the end of the day, I am happy with how this was handled by the front office. You can't be too passive-aggressive on this and let or take the chance of losing both. Right after Robbie Ray quickly decided, okay, we're going to wait, we're going to wait, the Jays said great. They completely pivoted quickly, and they went right after Kevin Gosman. I have no uh, criticism of them whatsoever on how this was handled. Yeah, I have no qualms with how the Blue Jays handled this
0: or how Robbie Ray and his agent handled this. I know... Bryson, you sound like you're a little upset with the fact that the Blue Jays may have been used as, you know, like a bargaining chip, but it's part of the game. Everyone does it. It's just part of negotiations that you're going to try to hike the price up. You know, a lot of people speculating that Max Scherzer was trying to do that with the Mets, trying to get them to hike their price up so he could get the, the Dodgers or the Angels or one of those teams to hike their price up and he could get into a bidding war. It's just part of the game. It's part of how it works for... Any team around baseball, including the Blue Jays. So I'm not upset with that. And I'm not upset with the Blue Jays for missing out on Robbie Ray. Like you mentioned, Bryson, they couldn't afford to go into the lockout without this big addition, with the risk of them not getting a top-of-the-line starter. Because we see now Marcus Stroman off the board, Kevin Gosman off the board, Robbie Ray off the board, Max Scherzer off the board. So many of the top 10, 15, 20 free agent starters are off the board already so the Blue Jays couldn't afford to wait until after the lockout to add in that regard, which is one of the biggest areas that they needed to improve this offseason. So they couldn't afford to wait. But I think there's a couple factors that we've kind of alluded to that could be the the deciding factor about why the Blue Jays went for Kevin Gosman instead of Robbie Ray. I think the first is the most obvious, it's just that they like Kevin Gosman more than they like Robbie Ray. Um, I think, Jacob, you mentioned that they're similar types of pitchers. I'm going to disagree with there. Their track record is very similar. But, you know, repertoire-wise, they are very different. Kevin Gosman is a guy who pitches to contact. He has a low pitch count every inning. And it's because he pitches to contact. He doesn't pitch for strikeouts. Versus Robbie Ray is the opposite of that. Um, And Kevin Gosman, I think he doesn't rely on velocity, which might be something the Blue Jays like. You know, it, it might imply that he can age a little bit better than Robbie Ray can. So it could just be the fact that the Blue Jays like Kevin Gosman better than Robbie Ray. They've been involved in Kevin Gosman for a couple of years now. They pursued him. We've talked about this before, but they pursued him last offseason. Could just be the case that they actually just wanted to sign Kevin Gosman more than they wanted to sign Robbie Ray. Um, another factor that we shouldn't leave out is that these contracts, Well, they're very similar, they're not identical Um, Robbie Ray has a full no trade clause for the first two years and then he can opt out after the third year so that's obviously a huge factor for him maybe that's something the Blue Jays weren't willing to give him they wanted someone who they could guarantee was going to be with the team or at least on their terms for the next five years instead of having an opt out after three years that's another factor that is involved in this As I mentioned, the signing after the lockdown, everyone thought Robbie Ray was going to sign after the lockdown, so the Blue Jays were hedging their bets or getting someone before the lockdown. And then the final factor that might be involved in this is, it was rumored by Jeff Blair of Sportsnet, but apparently some people are saying, we don't know if this is true or not, so take it with a huge grain of salt, but Robbie Ray may have been unvaccinated, which is obviously a huge consideration when it comes to the Blue Jays and when it comes to what we've talked about before with the... um, unvaccinated athlete waiver being um, taken away starting in January for the Blue Jays and all professional sports teams in Canada. So all those factors put together, I think, play into this, whether they're true or not with the vaccination status. All these factors play into whether the Blue Jays signed Kevin Gosman and Robbie Ray. And it's probably a mix of all of them that ended up with the Blue Jays getting Kevin Gosman instead of Robbie Ray. So again, it's disappointing, but... You look at these combination of factors. You look at what the Blue Jays were considering when they were signing him. And it kind of makes more sense if you're considering all that stuff.
2: Oh, absolutely. And also, we got to remember that the Blue Jays, yes, are gambling a little bit with Kevin Gosman. They still got a good pitcher. And they got somebody that actually had a better ERA than Robbie Ray last season. And it was only by three points. And obviously, they're in different leagues. So I'm not sure that you can fully say oh they got a a better pitcher but the point is is he was very good last season and i think to be completely fair if you sign robbie ray like look at this the seattle mariners i think signing him is as much of a gamble as kevin gosman would be maybe a little more maybe a little bit less but it's a guy that has not had the greatest track record comes to toronto yes we, we can theorize about pete walker completely turning him around and whatnot but Basically, he comes to Toronto, he has a good season and a half, and that's kind of all you can really work with. And to be fair to the teams, if you're going to make that type of gamble, you want it to be on your terms, and if Robbie Ray is saying that there's... You know, he's he's indicating things that he wants to go elsewhere, I think you you go with Kevin Gosman and you, you make that gamble any day of the week. But I think we... Now at this point you can kind of look forward and say the Blue Jays have one of the top rotations in the American League, maybe baseball for the next half decade, perhaps. Like, like it, it looks to be a very very good rotation, and I am j- not gonna mention it. I'm, I I you guys said don't mention it, but it's the the rotation is looking good for when the time matters, and it's because of extending Barrios, having Manoa and Pearson for five years or four or five years over, many the the two of them equally have. It's because of Kevin Gosman for five years. Like this rotation is very, very good, and I would take it against pretty much any other team.
1: And they're locked up long term. We've had great discussions about that. And you know, the thing that made me a little bit frustrated, Mark, that you were talking to, it's just, it's just the the bittersweet feeling that he's going. Like you know how good he was last year and how much he pretty much carried this rotation. And just to know that he's not going to get run support in Seattle, he's going to get pulled out of the game, and he's. It probably You know, that's that's what I've been seeing on Twitter, which has been pretty funny. But either way, um, I, I do think that uh, this was solid, This was a solid move. Regardless of his vaccination status or not, that's something that had to be in consideration. Because, you know, we know the, the new rule, if you agree with it or not, that's coming into effect at some point in January. Like you were mentioning, the exemption is gone. You now have to be vaccinated in order to play in this country. And uh, that goes pretty much for every sport, uh, no matter what sport it is. So that's why... Um, it's definitely an important factor with that and for Kevin Gosman too like he was talking about in his interview if you guys saw it that he was expecting Ross Atkins to call him and it's like he'll i think he said he almost smiled when he saw him calling him so or his agency so that's a you know that at least it shows the mutual interest was there and it shows Kevin Gosman even through his ups and downs is they were even calling him before you know, this great performance from him in 2021, this was a team that's always wanted him and have always been somewhat interested in him. So that's why it shows uh, from the Jay standpoint of how much they believe in Kevin Gosman. And that's going to be, you know, the million dollar question now as you head into this season. And yes, I I do agree with you, Jacob. I think that you, both teams, the Mariners and the Jays are making just as big of a gamble on both of them. And a lot of people, again, think that, you know, taking a chance on Kevin Gosman may pay out better than it is to Robbie Ray. I'm not sure what side I'm on with that. Don't say, oh, this guy, you know, I just, I just, that's what I've been, you know, everyone's been hearing. But for, it's going to be interesting to see it long-term as well. So Robbie Ray is going to be, most likely, I think he's going to be the opening day starter for the Mariners. He's going to be the race based on their depth chart. And the one thing that we're going to keep track of is who's going to be doing better. And that's the one thing um, a lot of people have been, or that's the one thing that comes to mind. And the other thing is, Robbie Ray's this past season, we know he was a signing award winner. We're not going to take anything away from how he did, but this was probably his peak. And we don't know how bad of a fall off 2022 is going to be. I'm not saying he's going to completely fall off the face of the earth, but we all know he's probably most likely going to be good in 2022 as well. So that'll be interesting to see for that. And um, I don't think it's going to be as good as it was in 2021 for any, of, or for Robbie Ray. And um, you, you can make the same case for somebody who else somebody else who left, which was Marcus Simeon. But my question to you guys is, because, you know, I, I like, I like asking these questions is I guess out of a, pers- uh, maybe, a, no, I'll just ask you this out of both guys next year without take away the biasy or anything like that, who's going to have a better year next year? Will it be Kevin Gosman or will it be Robbie Ray?
2: I want oh, to hear man. Mark go, uh, go first.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, throwing me under the bus.
0: Um, jeez, <laughs> that's a difficult question. It's a it's well, a are tough. You, one. Are you
2: considering like individuals? I'm obviously yeah, I, I like individual that, numbers. Yeah, like, yeah,
0: individual stats. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go Robbie Ray, just because of Kevin Gosman's second half numbers. The fact that he's probably gonna pitch a little bit worse in the Rogers Center in the AL East. Versus Robbie Ray, who's getting out of the Rogers Center, he's getting it out of the AL East, and he didn't have that second half drop off as Kevin Gosman did. So, I think I'll go Kevin, uh, or excuse me, Robbie Ray, but it's not clear cut either way. I'm I'm still on the fence a little bit.
2: See, I think Kevin Gosman is gonna overall have the better season in terms of longevity and how far he goes into October and whatnot. Now, yes, that's obviously somewhat out of his control but I think in general Kevin Gosman will have more success but I think Robbie Ray's numbers will be a little bit better and the thing is is you don't even need a two I think his ERA was 281 you don't need a 281 starter or or ERA starter yes it's beneficial but considering you have four other guys that could put up similar numbers and you have a team built around destroying other teams pitchers all Kevin Gosman has to do is put up a three-ish ERA and and he's good
1: yeah, I, I agree with that. I think um, you know this is this obviously take this is different than asking long term. So I'm talking about short term for the next couple of years. I do think. Robbie Ray will probably have the edge in numbers however regardless if you think it's relevant or not I think Kevin Gosman's going to get more run support he's going to win more games I think it's fair to say that but you know long term that's also going to be a great question asked but five years down the road we're going to have to it's going to be a while from now so we'll see how either contract pans out but the one thing I'm happy and it goes back to about 10 minutes ago is they're coming away with one of these guys and they're not taking the chance of losing out on both so that's why Um, I'm happy with how this definitely was approached by the Jays and we all know coming out of this next lockout they're going to get right back at it and I think pretty much every team will so there's definitely lots of uh, moves ahead of them whenever this lockout will end.
0: Bryson with the tough questions this morning he's stumping us Um, but let's move on to one of I guess the crazier rumors we've ever seen especially this offseason but um, apparently the Blue Jays could be interested in or have interest in and could sign none other than Canadian Freddie Freeman. Which, I mean, right from the bat, we talked about this in our off-season preview, I think I mentioned, I would love to sign Freddie Freeman. I think it would be absolutely incredible, but he has no place on this team. And that's kind of where we still are right now. It makes no sense for the Blue Jays to add this guy, even though it would be so awesome. He's a first baseman, He's Canadian, which is the selling point for him, or half Canadian, but he's a first baseman, and the Blue Jays have no need for a first baseman right now. They need an infielder, they need a guy on the left side of the infield, they need a left-handed hitter, but they don't need a first baseman, and that's where the problem arises for the Blue Jays. So I'm curious what you guys think, whether you guys think it's actually possible, whether this rumor is just a bucket of crap in terms of its reliability or whether you think the Blue Jays could actually sign Freddie Freeman and either have him split DH first base roles with Vladdy or you move Vladdy over to third base again to make room for Freddie Freeman. I don't know. To me, this rumor makes no sense, but I'm curious whether you guys think there's actually a shred of possibility to it happening.
2: Here's the thing. I think there's a legitimate shot that the Blue Jays aggressively pursue him, but the thing is, is you, you, obviously he's a first baseman, Blue Jays have a first baseman, who's very good, obviously he's offensively, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was second in MVP, he's easily one of the best, if not best hitters on the planet, he's not a bad first baseman either, and I know it took him a half a year, or whatever you want to call 2020, to get used to things, He was not very, ba- or he was not bad at all this season, he was really good at first base, the thing is though, I think it was very clear when he was moved to first base that there was interest at least on his side to get back to third base and obviously he's we can see on social media he's working out all throughout the offseason, which is expected but we can see that his training is continuing it was ridiculous the last couple seasons he's completely turned his I mean I don't want to say he's turned his career around because it, it just started but c- considering what we expected out of him when he first came up he's become a lot better. But the thing is is with that in mind, maybe you can afford to move him to third base, bring in Freddie Freeman, and then call it an offseason. I don't know how eager I am to see that because I mean, is Vladdy capable of playing third or relearning third? Yeah, obviously, but I'm not sure if you want to continuously move him. Like you look at the the debate with with Simeon and and Bichet and Biggio, how Biggio's it seems as if every year he's got a new primary position. I don't know if I want that with Guerrero, but I think it's something you have to at least consider. And if you can lock Freeman up for three to five years, whatever he's looking for, I think he's actually looking for more than that. But if you can lock him up and say, "Vladdy, you're staying at third base, and obviously you can't guarantee things because things change, but if you can have him there, I think it's something you have to at least consider. The problem lies then with or i mean i've mentioned a lot of issues you got to move him but then you think you've now dished out a lot of money over the last two seasons with a lot of guys on rookie deals and not even that arbitration like all these uh all these players like bichette vladi they're all gonna see a bit of a pay raise even if it's not the 30 million that they could command but eventually after arbitration they're going to command more money and i just wonder if Would signing Freddie Freeman and Kevin Gosman and George Springer and all these guys who are very good and very established players, would that take away from your ability to, to sign your, your rookies or or the guys on rookie deals? And I think eventually we're going to see that maybe with Gurriel or Hernandez, not, not to say that they're definitely gone, but we're going to see that eventually where guys are, or at least the, the front office is going to have to make decisions. Are these guys capable of staying and can we afford them? That's I think the the big question is if you can pursue Freddie Freeman, you think you have a legitimate shot? Absolutely, go for it. You just got to work on does that move make sense for your future and signing the guys that you have right now, and what are you going to do with Guerrero? Because at this point, I think if you're going to move him to third base, leave him there, and that's it. Don't don't say okay, now you're going to play first base or you're going to split time or anything like that. Just have a relatively clear cut answer for him and if the Blue Jays are able to do that, I mean, it's nice to see Canadians. We've seen Brett Laurie, uh, Russell Martin, you know, we've seen, and Michael Saunders. You know, it, it is nice to see. I just, I think this could be a very scary team if if that were to happen.
1: Yeah, as much as the Jays have a lot on the books right now, they're also going to have people coming off though. Hunjin Ryu's got a couple years left. Randall Gritchick's contract's expiring. So as much as they have a lot on, there's also a lot that's going to be coming off. So that's why I'm not as worried as you are as of now with that I do think there's going to have to be tough decisions made and we all know at the end of the day you can't keep everyone and how that impacts people more like Gurriel or Teoscar Hernandez is the the one that kind of intrigues me a little bit more because I think those guys there's going to have to be a lot of decisions to have to be made around that but we're still a couple years away from that and this core is still here for the next two years in terms of those two guys in particular but for Freddie Freeman I think I agree more with Mark I don't as much as it's crazy for me to shoot this down because of how good he is and you know he's Canadian or you know a dual citizen with Canada I just I don't see it happening I I would be shocked first of all I'd be shocked if he left Atlanta I think he goes back to Atlanta there's no I just don't see a way that Alex Anthopoulos lets him go however the only other team we've really seen that has interest in him other than I guess if you want to put the Jays in this category is the Yankees, and that definitely concerns me a bit I out of all teams for Freddie Freeman to go to him wearing pinstripes is not like it's not allowed to happen (laughs) I can't live with him in this division for the next six years and I think that's what he's kind of looking for I think uh the reported deal that he was looking for the projected deal was around six years 180 million so it's not about if the Jays can give him the money because I think they can it's more about moving Vladimir Aguero Jr. again. And, you know, we know that he wanted to go back to third base originally, but it was also reported at the All-Star Game. I think Hazel May was the one that said it, is he kind of backed off of that train to go back to third base. And I'm pretty sure he, from what she said, you know, not to quote her word for word, but he pretty much said something along the lines of he's comfortable at first base. He wants to stay at first base. And quite frankly, he's a better first baseman. I mean, we know how comfortable he looked in 2021 2020 was a little bit of an adjustment period for him. Everything happened so fast with this transition, but in 2021, a full season at first base, a few errors here and there, but just like anybody else. And other than that, he was very good. I mean, he was very more, he was a lot more flexible. He was a lot more quick. His movement was up. And that's why it was, um, you know, his adjustment to first base is something I don't want to mess with. And that's why, you know, you you move him back to third base again, and then you got to deal with the entire adjustment again. Who knows how quickly he adapts to that, but... That's why I don't I don't agree with Freddie Freeman more, unlike somebody like Chris Taylor or not Chris Taylor it was Chris Taylor maybe someone like Chris Bryant or another infielder that kind of gives them more of their needs because as of now you have holes at second base and third base so that's why um it, you know I wonder a little bit about what will happen with that I just don't see Freddie Freeman being a plan A for them, but of course everything can change. And this was reported uh by the same guy who reported the Marcus Simeon signing last year when he came to the Jays. And um I just that's why I do think there's some traction to it. And it was uh, it was Carlos Bay Be- Carlos something. Uh, Mark you can correct me in a couple minutes. But he reported it and he also reported the Emmy Garcia signing. So you know he he's been right before so I do wonder how legitimate this is, but I do think there's some traction to it. I just don't think the Jays are kind of going full head on steam with Freddie Freeman. I think they're kind of maybe just checking in, evaluating the market like they do with a lot of the guys. So Jacob, don't fall asleep on me here. But uh, you know, with Freddie Freeman, <laughs> we'll see what happens with that uh, after the lockout uh, occur or the lockout ends. I just for him at first base, I I don't see it long term. You got to move Guerrero again. I don't know. Yeah, it was Carlos
0: Berga, I guess, or Berga, B A E R G A. Who reported it. And I also think he was the first one on the Yimi Garcia deal with the Blue Jays as well. So, like, there is a track record of him telling the truth. And I don't doubt, like, we know how the Blue Jays front office works. I don't doubt the fact that the Blue Jays have checked in on Freddie Freeman. Like, I'm almost 100% confident that they've called up his agent and said, What are you asking for? What would it take to get this guy to come here? They have. I, I don't think they've offered him anything yet. But I, I'm sure they've checked in and seen what... The market for him is like and Bryson, i'm right there with you in the fact that i don't care what the contract is like if it was seven years 175 million kind of like what marcus simeon got i would give him that in a heartbeat if it wasn't for vladimir guerrero jr if it wasn't for the defensive problems that the blue jays have fitting freddie freeman in i would give him whatever he wants you know he's to be honest blue jays are not one of my favorite players in baseball. He's Canadian. He has an awesome personal story. He's an awesome guy. We all saw his exuberance after the Braves won the World Series with his, I think it was an interview with Tom Verducci after the game on the field and he just couldn't contain himself and he had the World Series shirt on and he was just smiling ear to ear. It's that kind of person that I love and I want him on the Blue Jays and I would give him anything to get him here. It's just the fact that They already have a first baseman. And you can't be moving Vladdy every single year to a different position. So that's why I don't think this works. And it breaks my heart that it doesn't work. And it breaks my heart that the Blue Jays are tempting us and saying that they're interested in him. And yet it doesn't line up. So yes, I would love for it to happen and be so amazing. But I think the ramifications of it just don't make sense for this team. It doesn't make sense to move Vladdy to third base. It doesn't make sense to limit your... Defensive versatility by having Vladdy and Freeman bounce around at first base in DH. It doesn't make sense to have a dedicated DH, if you're going to do it that way, dedicated DH and Freddie Freeman, who's entering his age 33 season, who's going to be locked up for the next seven years, when you might be having, you know, his contract might become an albatross and you're stuck with him at DH until he's, what, 38, 39? Like, that doesn't make sense for the Blue Jays. It doesn't make sense for them to do that and uh, it breaks my heart to say that because I want him on the Blue Jays I love him, he's one of my favorite players in baseball if not my the favorite player that I have in baseball, it's just it doesn't make sense for the Blue Jays and it's sad to say it, but it doesn't make sense
2: See, I just wish there was not a lockout because then we would at least have answers or we could see the rumors because at this point it's just us theorizing because you can't do anything like teams can't contact players player or uh, they can't yeah contact free agents players can't go to the facilities players can't use their MLB related pictures on their profile so everyone's changing their profiles like at this point it's almost as if uh, baseball is like that unlockable character at a video game or in a video game that you just you haven't unlocked yet I'm just waiting for major league baseball to come back because I want to see these rumors I want to see them continue and I want to see what the Blue Jays do, because at this point, like we've mentioned, the offseason is mostly done for them. We just need one more guy, presumably an infielder. We just need it to happen. And at this point, it it could be a very long time before we actually see anything happen.
1: Yeah, just, I just, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, it just it's feels so weird to turn this down and shoot this down. But I, I agree with Mark. I, I don't see moving him twice or in the span of a couple of years is really good for him. But uh I mean, we're going to see. And the, the one thing I do wonder is after this lockout is, you know, everyone was in discussions with everyone beforehand. People were trying to get deals done. Most of them were, you know, how, what's it going to look like afterward? Are teams going to pick up right where they left off? Or is momentum going to completely fall off? Like I, that's the one thing I kind of wonder. And I think it's going to be, I, I think it's a question that nobody really has the answer to. So um, it's going to be interesting to see that because we know the Jays, other than Freeman, there's so many other infielders that they're interested in, and quite frankly, they need an infielder. Maybe a couple more bullpen pieces. They're far from done after Gosman and extending Barrios, so they're going to get they're going to have to get right back in the swing of things. And we don't even know when this thing will end. So it could be in February when they're doing all this. Maybe a couple weeks before spring training. But with Freddie Freeman, I again, if you don't see him coming to the Jays, where do you guys see him going? I I think he stays in Atlanta. Um, I you know I guess the Yankees are a possibility, but. We all know that they're also uh, probably in on Carlos Correa. And the one thing about the Yankees, too, is they were way too quiet before the CBA expired. That's why it worries me that they have something up their sleeve or maybe they just couldn't get anything going. But that's one of the highlights I had too from within the division was the Yankees, it was almost radio silent. Like there was really nothing happening with them. The Red Sox made a couple moves. We know they brought in Rich Hill. They made a couple other minor moves. I think they brought in uh, Michael Waka from the, the Rays last year. So a couple moves from them, not a lot either, but the Yankees, just nothing from them. That's why I, I kind of wonder what was going on with that. Maybe they're planning something. Maybe they couldn't get anything going. It's a little bit scary, and I'm sure you guys have seen the
0: memes of Brian Cashman. Every year he does a uh, sleeps one night outside to end homelessness, and I'm sure you guys have seen the memes of him sleeping in response to tweets about, oh, this team's signing this guy, this team's making this big deal, and Yankee fans are responding to that tweet with just a photo of Brian Cashman sleeping. But yeah, I think Freddie Freeman stays with the Braves. It makes sense. It's He's a lifelong Atlanta f- guy. He's going to stay there. And I saw Jacob, you were shaking your head to the Yankees earlier. Yeah. Freddie Freeman is staying in Atlanta, but let's talk about Chris Bryant. That's the other name that we've seen the Blue Jays connected to. This makes a lot more sense than Freddie Freeman from a perspective of the Blue Jays defensive availability, from a perspective of their winning schedule and the window they have over the next few years. Signing Chris Bryant makes a lot more sense than signing Freddie Freeman. So as far as that goes, I'm much more on board. I think it'd be a great addition. I think it might be a bit pricey, but that's the case with every free agent. So there's not much you can do from the Blue Jays' perspective. But yeah, I'm much more on board for the Blue Jays signing Freddie Freeman because I think it'll um, solve essentially all their problems on the infield as opposed to signing Freddie Freeman, which just creates more problems than it solves.
2: Absolutely. he He's going to be pricey. I think that's very fair to assume I mean he's even last season he was pretty good I mean he's a his career average up at 278 it was a little bit down last year 265 but still 25 home runs and if I mean that's obviously only about like half of what Simeon had but I still take 25 home runs out of out of your third baseman and considering your shortstop and your first baseman and your outfielders can all hit 30 home runs without really even trying it's it's still making your team extremely good. But the thing is, is I'm looking here on baseball reference, and he's listed as a third baseman, outfielder, and first baseman. Now, obviously, he's, not, he's primarily, if you were to come to the Blue Jays, play third base. But if you can fit him in anywhere, I'm not saying he needs to play in the outfield or that he needs to play first base. But if you have that flexibility, then I think that just fits into what the Blue Jays have really centered this team around. And a lot of the guys can play multiple positions you look at Kevin Biggio he's probably sliding back into second base this year if you can have Chris Bryant and you can just interchangeably place guys anywhere then I think you're great you're you're in very a very good shape and it's what we're seeing now is that the team does have a bit of a log jam in terms of who can play where or how many players they can fit in I, I think I'm still Relatively confident in Santiago Espinal of the Lujays don't go and acquire a third baseman. I think he'd be fine at third base, but if you have all these guys that can play multiple different positions and they're locked up for many years, then I think you're, honestly, you're set. And it'll be interesting to see what the team does next offseason. Yes, you have guys that you need to start signing and extending and arbitration, but you don't need to make any starting pitching moves next season maybe you look at ryu but the, the way this team has been set up is you're kind of seeing that the the difficult work has kind of been done now and now it's just keep the guys that you have but as for as i whack my headphones if you as you or if you have chris bryant on this team or if you have a shot at getting him i think you do it because he makes this team so much so much uh, better
1: yeah th- again i mean this is interesting because Personally, I think after this lockout, um, whenever it ends, again, we're going to be saying that for a while, just get used to it, people who are listening to this, (laughs) I think the Jays should monitor Chris Bryant, but maybe not as in on him as beforehand, because I still want the Jays to try and pursue a trade for Jose Ramirez. I'm sorry, I really do, and that's why... You know the trades before the CBA expired was something that wasn't going to happen. We knew that it was more of the free agents that were going to happen. So maybe that changes the Jays' mindset. But I do think, or I do want them to continue to be interested in Chris Bryant. And we know what he brings to the table. And John Morosi was also reporting that the Jays were. It appeared they would be. They were one of the finalists. Them and the Mariners were teams that were definitely interested. And of course, he's he is from Colorado. Apparently, the Colorado Rockies also became interested too. So. I mean, it's it's very, it's very a very good fit for him here. Uh, 29 years old, uh, last year 265, uh, 353, 481, and 835 OPS. And he fits all the Jays' needs in terms of position or where he can play in the field. He could play in the outfield first base. You mentioned that, Jacob. But third base is definitely the highlight. Or if he came here, that is probably most likely where he would have played every day. So... I mean, altogether, they, you know, we know the infield is still an area of need after the lockout. And, you know, you have Kevin Biggio, you have Santiago Espinal. um, Kevin Smith was someone we briefly saw in 2021 and a few other guys. But for me, I'm not comfortable with both Biggio and Espinal starting. uh, You know, I guess one starting at second base, one starting at third base. I don't like that at all. I think both of them should be platooning at one position. And I think ideally for me, it's they platoon at second base and you go out and get a third baseman or the other way around. But I do prefer them to platoon at second base, which is why adding an infielder is very um, important for them. And that's why it's a massive factor for, you know, how good they're also going to be next year. Cause you have to replace that bat with Marcus Simeon and you haven't really done that yet. So that's why um, it's going to be something that a, a, a big necessity coming out of the lockout. And there's so many other guys that are available other than Jose Ramirez as well. We know the Jays somewhat have interest maybe in someone like Trevor Story. Uh, Kyle Seeger is kind of another option, but I feel like that's more of a fallback plan, maybe more like of a, a depth move, maybe something that isn't exactly on the top of your charts or you know the top of your list with all due respect to Kyle Seeger. And then, of course, Matt Chapman, somebody who's being shot by the Oakland A's or will be uh, after the lockout. and. Keto Marte as well as somebody who probably will be, uh, or has a good sh- uh, shot of being traded at some point too. So there's a lot of names out there. It's not like the Jays are limited with options. They have a lot, and it's going to be, you know, a decision of what type of road they're going to go down or what type of pathway, but it appears that Chris Bryan also is a legitimate pathway, and it's somebody that we didn't really mention after the offseason. It kind of came up over the last couple of weeks, and it kind of came out out of nowhere, so... A part of that was probably because the, the market was accelerating at that point and really in the infield a lot of things were moving very fast. We saw Simeon go, we saw Corey Seeger go, we saw Chris Taylor go back to the Dodgers and Seeger and Simeon are going to be teaming up in uh, Texas. So a lot was happening and a lot was happening very fast and a couple other names that I forgot to mention. So. It's going to be, uh, it'll be interesting to see how this kind of plays out after the lockout of how the market will be right off the start or right out from the start. But Chris Bryant, definitely a name that will be there after and a name that the Jays will definitely continue to pursue most likely. Yeah, I'm not um, like particularly
0: attached to Chris Bryant specifically, but unlike Jacob, I think if the Blue Jays don't sign an infielder or trade for an infielder this offseason, this offseason is a failure. Agreed. Um, Maybe that's like a little bit extreme, but I know last offseason we're talking about not signing a starting pitcher, and that was a little bit of a failure. And then of course it worked out for the Blue Jays in the end. But I think if you miss out on an infielder at this point in what the Blue Jays want to do next year, it's a failure. You need to improve that part of the team. You can't enter the season with Santiago Espinal and Kevin Biggio both starting. Um, You know, we talk about how deep the Blue Jays offense is. But if you have both those guys in the starting lineup combined with whoever's at catcher, you know, it's probably going to be Danny Jansen a lot of the time. That's the bottom three in the lineup is essentially, you know, Espinal's not going to be able to keep up his production a whole season. Bichio's probably going to bounce back a little bit, but still can't be counted on for much. That's a really bad bottom three in the lineup. So I really think if the Blue Jays don't sign someone, On the infield, they don't trade for someone on the infield. It's going to be a failure. Doesn't have to be Chris Bryant. Doesn't have to be Jose Ramirez. Doesn't have to be Matt Chapman. Doesn't have to be any of these guys. Um, But if they don't make improvements there, it's going to be a failure. And like you said, Bryson, I think um, uh, Kyle Seeger is a fallback option. I would have loved for the Blue Jays to sign Corey Seeger. He seemed like a perfect fit. Left side of the infield, left-handed hitter. But at that price, the Blue Jays are not messing with a, you know, what was it? 325 guy like they are not touching anywhere close to that but yeah I don't care who it is I love Chris Bryant love all these guys And then Chris Taylor would have been a perfect fit but we know Blue Jays had interest in him they were heavily involved they were pursuing him hard but he ended up not signing with them but um they need some sort of infielder I don't care who it is I mean I do I have my preferences Jose Ramirez obviously is at the top of that list but they need some sort of infielder before the end of this offseason that's just the truth of the matter
2: See, I just want to mention that I actually think Santiago Espinal is a bit of an underrated player because I'm not going to necessarily count 2020 because he only, or he barely played it. He only played 26 of the 60 games and he was really, nobody knew who he was, but he came into this season, he played 92 games. So just a bit over half of a season. And most of those games were within the, the second half because he, he did spend a lot of the first half up and down in the minors. But if you're, if you're looking for a, a stereotypical bottom of the order guy 376 on base percentage last season 301 or 311 average a career average of 301 okay yes it's a season and a half but i think that there is a bit yeah, of promise yeah that's the thing in... like
0: he's not going to be able to do it over a full season yeah no that no i think absolutely you put him gonna... in the lineup every day you you put him in the lineup every day and he's he's in a slump like he's not continuing that i love santiago espinal but i don't think he's that good a player
1: before you continue jacob a career total of 282 at bats
2: yeah no i think it's i'm just saying there's there's we should have a little bit of uh what's the way to put it? we should be watching him a little bit and obviously we're gonna watch him but i think that maybe you give him spring training you see what he's able to do i'm just i'm not necessarily willing to count him out just yet i think Yes, they're going to dip. His numbers are going to dip. He's not going to hit 300. And if he is, then he's not going to hit at the bottom of the order. But if you can get a guy that is at least hitting about league average or or better, I think that's that's a perfect fit for the bottom of your order.
1: Yeah, I'm not... Like, no one's counting him out. Like, I, I love Santiago Espinal just as much as you do. And I'm sure Mark does the same. But here's the thing, though, is everyone has a role on this team. And Santiago Espinal's role shouldn't change from what we saw last year. I mean, I think... Bad things also happen when you try and do that to people like him. You give him maybe a little bit too much pressure and it doesn't exactly pan out someone like Kevin Biggio, too. I mean, he was out the entire year basically. You can't just hand him the keys to start every day. And we don't know what Cavin Biggio is gonna to bring to the table. We have really had no idea. We're all hoping that he bounces back in some sort of way, but you know, you can't, you know, these people need to know their role in terms of Espinal and, and Biggio. And for me, his role is somebody or something very similar to what we saw last year. He's not an everyday player, but he's off the bench mostly. He's coming out. He can play multiple positions. And I like that for Santiago, Santiago Espinal. But for him to start every single day, I just, especially even in spring training, I don't agree with that. I just think it's a step back. And you look at Marcus Simeon for somebody who was as good as he was last year, a finalist for the MVP. We know what he brought a quick shout out to him because I have no bitterness towards him leaving. I thought he got everything he deserved and he bet on himself, changed position. So I don't know if we were going to talk about him, but I wanted to get it out there. So I wish nothing but the best to him, but you know, his average or his war, we know we we spoke about his war. He led the team in war. um, And according to baseball reference, it was 7.3. In my eyes, that's seven wins you got to replace. And you know, replacing him with Santiago Espinal doesn't very it doesn't look very good on paper and I don't think it's going to be much better either in terms of you know us hoping that he can break out in some sort of way I think what we saw from him last year is what we're going to see again and don't change it and don't make it worse don't give him too much responsibility that he might not be able to handle in terms of pressure as well get somebody in the infield to replace Simeon platoon him and Biggio to start things off and as the season goes on if he does over exceed expectations maybe you find more room for him in the lineup. And that's what we saw last year. He was behind Joe Panic for the first part of the season. The Jays decided to give him more playing time. And by that, you ship out Joe Panic, and that opened the door for Espinal. So that's why you you see how he performs, and you maybe evaluate throughout the season. But going into the season is something I don't see happening with them giving him the keys to play every day either. If you go
0: into the season with Santiago Espinal, or even go into spring training with Santiago Espinal, as your plan, starting second baseman, third baseman, whatever it is, it's already too late. Like, if it doesn't pan out, if he goes into a big slump, which I would expect it to. He's not... He's never started in the majors. He's always been a bench roll type guy. If you enter the season with Santiago Espinal being that guy on your roster, it's already too late. You're setting yourself up for failure. And you... You know, teams aren't going to trade a big-name infielder until the deadline because that's when they're going to get the most offers. That's when... They're going to get the most that they can out of this guy. So, it's already too late if you're entering the season with someone like Santiago Espinal in their starting role. So, again, like Bryson, nothing against Santiago Espinal. Like, love him. He just, he has a role on this team, and that role is not as a starter. And the Blue Jays need to replace that production from Marcus Simeon somewhere. So, I mean, I guess we can wrap up our conversation here. But Marcus Simeon, like you mentioned, Bryson, losing out on seven war. I said this at the start of the offseason, but you can assume you're going to make up about half of that from George Springer if he has a full healthy season. That leaves you with about three and a half, four war you have to make up for. You also lose out on Robbie Ray, but the Blue Jays signed Kevin Gosman. So for the sake of simplicity, let's assume they're equal. They cancel each other out. That still leaves you missing out on Marcus Simeon, half a season in Marcus Simeon. Where do you make that up? You make up some of that war in having a full season of Jose Barrios. Okay, then you're maybe missing a win and a half from what you had in 2021. Where do you make that up? And where do you get the additional four or five wins that you need to get to win the AL East or win a wild card spot? And that's the question. That's where the Blue Jays are at right now. And it comes down to adding a top-of-the-line infielder. It comes down to adding a really a couple really strong relievers, and that's where the Blue Jays are at. And maybe it's a back-of-the-line veteran starter. That's where the Blue Jays need to go. Of course, we have a couple months off now. None of it's going to happen immediately, but that's the picture of the what the Blue Jays are going to do moving forward. So I know we're running out of time here, but do any of you have some final thoughts on what the Blue Jays need moving forward into the off before we enter full lockout mode for the next few months?
2: I think you covered it. They this team needs an infielder desperately. Like I think they need at least one, and I think that's you know that's fair. Uh, Esp- Espinal, Biggio. I mean, we, we obviously just debated that. I think you need an infielder. Have those two split the the role uh, wherever the other infielder is not playing. Look at bullpen. I mean, you you look at relievers every year because that to me that's the most uh, the part of the the part of the team with the most variability. Do that. Go into the off season part two, looking to acquire that, and I think you're you're set.
1: Yeah, I mean infielder maybe a back-of-the-line starter some names being thrown out is Yusei Kikuchi I know that uh, apparently there's interest in him and he's received three-year offers I don't know about three years but I do think it's somebody that you might keep tabs on and it's somebody that the Jays were also interested uh, a couple years ago before he chose the Mariners and like Kevin Gosman. I mean, the Jays circled back on somebody they've always wanted. So I wouldn't be surprised if they definitely do pursue him here. So many other names, though. And maybe, again, um, another reliever. It's something, maybe. But I think priority number one and priority number two definitely um, a fifth starter, potentially a back of the end starter. And the one thing ahead of that, the most, the, the highlight for me in bold is an infielder. Because, like what you were saying, Mark, you got to replace the production somehow for Marcus Simeon. So. I mean, hopefully we, we're going to have to, well, we're going to revisit this again one day. We don't know when. So I think officially as of next week, we are into a full labor podcast, which is going to be great, which is going to suck at the same time. <laughs> get used to a lot of pictureless people on MLB.com and no new section. Just get used to all of it for the time being. It sucks. It's not a good look for the sport, but as long as they don't cut into next season, I think that's an absolute win for all of us. And we hope that they can get, they can get something done as soon as possible. You're really selling our podcast for the next few <laughs> months, Bryson.
0: Saying <laughs> so it's going to be a lot of fun to listen to us talk about labor negotiations. No, we'll t- we'll still talk about the Blue Jays. We'll find ways to make it interesting, hopefully. And if anyone has any ideas, I mean, we did this for a couple months when we were waiting for the 2020 season to start. Um, so if anyone has any ideas about what we can do, what we can talk about, whether it's countdowns or other content ideas, we are all ears because we're going to be, Searching desperately for anything to talk about over the next few months, but until then, you can support our podcast on Patreon. That's Patreon.com/Section138Pod. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Section138Pod. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Just helps spread the word about what we're doing and helps our podcast get uh, a couple more listens, couple more eyes. And then, uh, lastly, if you listen to our episodes, you can watch them on YouTube. If you watch our episodes on YouTube. You can listen to them wherever you find podcasts. All right. Officially into lockout season we go. Thanks for listening to this episode and we'll catch you next time.